Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be uh, reading the first uh, 41 verses. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 41. Please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which, he were, in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, who, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made, me known, you have made known to me the, the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, 
that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the dead, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing on the preaching of his word. Oh, Father, how we do thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we considered this morning the, the, the wonderful way in which his death has revealed you to us. How we are thankful that he is the one who did not remain dead, but he is the one who was raised from the dead and even now lives to be our great prophet. How we do thank you for we, re that, for we recognize without the work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ as prophet, uh, Lord, not in the past, but even today. There would be no hope for us, your people, and no hope for your church. How thankful we are for this work that continues to this day. And may it be that you would open our eyes to see the glory of it, that we might ourselves have hope. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, as you, you know, this morning we looked at the way in which Christ fulfilled the office of prophet in his death. We looked at the way in which uh, Christ's death has revealed God to us, that God's attributes are made known in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mentioned, you know, that we often think of the, the death of Christ in terms of its priestly significance. We think of Christ's death as being an atonement for our sins, uh, that Christ has made this perfect atonement whereby we are forgiven of our sins. We sometimes even think of the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of its kingly element, that the Lord Jesus Christ has defeated Satan by his death. And it's more rare that we think of the prophetic element of Christ's death, which is that Christ's death was in fact a revelation of God, but we saw that this was in fact the case. This is in fact the case, that it is by the death of Christ that we see the perfect expression of God's righteousness, justice, wrath, holiness, faithfulness, wisdom, power, mercy, grace, and love, and we could go on and on, but those are the ones that we looked at this morning. And we see that all these things are revealed perfectly in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even difficult questions about you know, the way in which God's justice and love come together are answered perfectly in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, such that we can say, if you want to know God, look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
Something very similar could easily be done with regard to the resurrection. We see that God's attributes are made manifest in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the righteousness of God displayed as the resurrection was in fact Christ's declaration of righteousness. God himself vindicated his son, showing his righteousness by raising him from the dead. We see that justice and wrath are also displayed as Paul argues in Acts 17, that the resurrection from the dead proves that God will judge the world in righteousness through the man whom he has appointed. We could say God's faithfulness is displayed as the promise of the resurrection from the dead has begun with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of God is displayed as, in, uh, as through the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, death itself has been defeated. We could say that mercy, grace, and love are displayed in Christ's resurrection as his resurrection becomes ours and is the basis for our justification. We could say all these things, and the point is, is that just as we did this morning, we could say the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ together is a wonderful and magnificent revelation of who God is. And we could go through all those attributes in great detail. Now, that is not actually going to be the plan for this sermon. Because one of the things that is important to keep in mind with regard to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is that even though all those things I said are true, and we, again, we could go into great detail on them, but there is another key element when we think about the way in which the Lord Jesus Christ functions as a prophet, the way in which he fulfills the office of a prophet as the one who's been raised from the dead. And that is particularly the way in which Christ acts as a prophet today, the way in which he continues to be a prophet and this is something that he could only do if he was raised from the dead. And so we could say, you know, all throughout Christ's earthly ministry, that he was a prophet. He came like the, as the prophet who was like Moses, as, as is said even in Acts chapter 3. He is the prophet like Moses, who even is far surpassing Moses. He gave an authoritative law. He came to preach righteousness and justice, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. He came to preach all these things as the great prophet, as we saw this morning, the one who came down from heaven to testify of the things that are in heaven. He did that while he was on earth. He did that in his death. The resurrection as an act in itself was a revelation of God. But even more than that, the resurrection of Christ means that he continues to be our prophet even to this day. You, you, you think of the way in which the resurrection of Christ is significant for his priestly office. This is something that the author to the Hebrews picks up on. In Hebrews chapter 7, he says, you know, one of the great differences between Christ as the greatest of all priests, the final priest who has made the definitive atonement for God's people, the, the one who is able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him. One of the things that makes him different from all the other priests is that he always lives to make intercession for his people. He always lives. So it's the resurrection of the dead that enables the Lord Jesus Christ to have a perpetual priesthood that never ends. He always is the, the mediator between God and man because of the resurrection from the dead. And brothers and sisters, we can say something similar with regard to the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ as prophet over all the prophets. The author to the Hebrew says, they, the weakness of the priestly ministry of the Levites can be seen in that death prevented them from continuing. And brothers and sisters, death has prevented all other prophets from executing their ministry. But the glory of the prophetic ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is that in some ways, it, it, it comes into uh, its, its most important phase after the resurrection from the dead. 
That that is where we see the greatest work of the, of the, the glory of Christ's prophetic ministry is not even really in, um, in his earthly ministry, but his ministry from heaven, where he is now, seated at the right hand of God, where he pours out the Spirit and equips preachers to preach his word and grants that through that word and through that Spirit, the will of God would be made known to us. You remember that that is what our catechism teaches about, uh, about Christ fulfilling the office of prophet. He reveals to us by his word and by his spirit, the will of God for our salvation. Now, if that is what it means for Christ to be a prophet, then surely we would have to say that in some ways the climax of his prophetic ministry must come when he actually pours out the spirit, which is what the reason why we read from Acts chapter two. This was not the end of Christ's prophetic ministry. This was in some ways the beginning of the climax of it. When Christ pours out the spirit, and begins revealing to us in, in really an explosive way uh, the, the will of God for our salvation. And so we're going to look at the way in which Christ fulfills as the living prophet, fulfills the office of prophet uh, today. And the reason this is significant, brothers and sisters, and the reason why this is uh, so crucial for us to think through with regard to our situation today, is that in the world today, many people are forgetting God. They do not know God. There is a darkness that is growing in our own country. And if you were to ask, what is the thing that is needed? What, what, what could possibly turn it around? The answer is we have to have the prophetic ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have the answer to the forgetting of God is that God would be revealed to us. And God can only be revealed to us insofar as we receive the Spirit. And the one who reveals God by the Spirit to men is the Lord Jesus Christ as our prophet. And therefore, what we need to think through and what we need to set our hope on in this dark time is the prophetic, the, the current prophetic ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll look at this, I, this, this theme of Christ being our prophet even today as the one who lives. We'll look at this under just two headings. As the Catechism says, Christ does this by his word and by his spirit. And so we'll look at, at this under the, those two headings. We'll, we'll, we'll see how Christ is even today a prophet revealing to us uh, the will of God by his word. And then we'll see how Christ does that even today uh, by the spirit. Now, what you'll notice is that both of these things are on display in Acts chapter 2. So you remember what, what's happening. It's important to remember the context. Uh, Christ has been raised from the dead. Of course, he's then ascended to the right hand of God. When he ascends to the right hand of God, he then receives the Spirit and pours out the Spirit. And the result of that is what we see in Acts chapter 2, that the Word of God is preached. The idea is that the, the preaching that was given in Acts chapter 2 would not have happened if it had not been for Christ's resurrection and ascension to the right hand of God and then pouring out of the Spirit. It was a, a Spirit-empowered preaching of the Word of God. Christ, therefore, was the one who was giving the Word through Peter. Christ was the one who is, who is enabling that word uh, to be preached. The, the preaching, Peter's preaching comes as a result of the Spirit coming. The Spirit comes as a result of Christ's ascension to the Father, and the ascension comes only after the resurrection from the dead. And thus, the, the, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit in the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, is connected with Christ's ascension to the right hand of the Father. 
And you can really see the significance of this when you compare all the ages before Christ's ascension and all the ages since. You can, you can see that there is, before this moment in Acts chapter 2, there was not much missionary activity, not a great missionary effort. There was never a great reception of the word of God, ever. Even with Moses, the greatest of all the prophets, there was never a great reception with regard to the word of God. Uh, the people complained against him. Then all the prophets come, and the people generally didn't, uh, disregarded this. And this was in the one country where there was any knowledge of God. It, only in Israel had there been prophets that had been raised up to preach the word of God. And in that country, by and large, they did not, in fact, uh, receive the word of God. And yet, with the coming of Christ, the knowledge of God has increased all over the world. And in every age, there has been the word of God preached, the spirit of God working to regenerate the hearts of men, such that now we can see there is an innumerable number of people uh, who believe in comparison with the remnant of the remnant of a small nation in, in one part of the world, in all the times before Christ. And even, and the point to notice is that there's even this difference with regard to the earthly ministry of Christ and the heavenly ministry of Christ. Notice, even in Christ's earthly ministry, there was not a great reception of the word of God. The, the people betrayed him. You remember in Acts chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000, uh, uh, John tells us that, that after uh, Christ gives the hard word, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, uh, John tells us, Many people turn back from believing in him. Then Christ goes into Jerusalem and, and all the people, they receive his word with joy and so it appears that they're believing in him, but then they all turn on him and crucify him. The reality is, is that even in Christ's earthly ministry, there was not a great reception of the word of God. What was the great change? The great change is that Christ died, was raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then received the spirit. He had to receive the spirit as as a reward for his sufferings. And as a result of his resurrection, he had to receive the spirit in order for this great work of uh, this great prophetic work actually to have this effect on the entire world. And we can see the results of it here. The, the Christ receives the spirit and then he pours out the spirit. And in the first day of preaching, 3000 believe. And even then you can say, well, the, you know, it's, it's rare. If not, it, it, it probably never happens that there's 3,000 who believe just from one person's sermon today. And yet we still do see there are a great number of preachers all over the world in every age who are preaching. And there are a great number of people who are believing as compared to those who were believing before. The point is that all of this can be attributed to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as the risen prophet, as the risen prophet who pours out the spirit and that spirit enables the preaching of the word of God and it guarantees the reception of, uh, of that word in a positive way. And thus we look all the way throughout the book of Acts, we see that the, that the book of Acts is characterized by the preaching of the word of God as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ pouring out his spirit. You think of uh, Peter, his preaching is recounted here in Acts chapter 2 and in chapter 3. All the apostles are preaching, Stephen's preaching in Acts chapter 7, Apollos is preaching, Paul is preaching uh, everywhere, there, uh, where the ministry is recorded, there is this explosive growth of the kingdom of God, and all of it is, relating, is related to the preaching of the word of God. And the point is to say is that it's not simply the case that these, these men are preaching according to their, to their own office. What I'm saying is, is that this is part of the way in which Christ executes his own office as the prophet.
He is the one who is doing that even now by his word and spirit, revealing to us the will of God for our salvation. And I would ask you, is this not also what uh, Christ himself spoke about in John chapter 10 when he speaks about the sheep hearing his own voice, his own voice? Is this something that was that only applied to those whom Christ was speaking to in his own day? Or does it not apply to wherever there is faithful preaching? Wherever there is faithful preaching, the sheep are hearing the voice of their Savior. They're, they're not hearing the voice of the preacher. They're hearing the voice of their Savior because it is Christ who is speaking through the one who's been appointed. And in his speaking through the one who has been appointed, he is executing the office of a prophet. And therefore, we can say Christ continues to act as our prophet today by enabling the word of God to be preached. And we could even say further, as I, as I mentioned, that there is, uh, in terms of this, the way in which this relates to the spirit, that all the way throughout the book of Acts, we see that this is a spirit-filled preaching. It's always a spirit-filled preaching. And this is, a, again, another way that we see the work of Christ in his fulfilling his prophetic ministry. And this actually becomes explicit in Peter's sermon. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, where Peter explicitly makes this connection between the preaching that is happening and the pouring out of the Spirit. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. What Peter is saying is, is the reason why I am preaching is because Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has received the Spirit as a reward for his labors. And he has now poured out the Spirit. Without the pouring out of the Spirit, therefore, there could be no preaching in the way that happened in the book of Acts. That the, the preaching would not be as widespread as it is, and it would not be spirit-filled preaching. And Peter even quotes then from Joel chapter 2, saying that this is what would happen in the last days. The spirit would be poured out, and the result would be the word of God would be preached. And therefore, what we can say is that Christ is the source of all gospel preaching. He is the source of all true preaching as he is the one who grants the spirit that empowers the word to be given. Uh, now, in this way, uh, Christ also shows himself to be a prophet like Moses. But, but again, as we see all throughout all the comparisons that are made to the Lord Jesus Christ, he actually far outstrips Moses. In Numbers chapter 11, you'll remember, uh, Moses is complaining about the people because of, of really their complaining about him. And uh, he, uh, Moses mentions his own weakness and says, you know, God, if you're going to treat me this way where I have to care for the people all by myself, I'm going to I just ask for you to kill me because I can't bear the weight of this people. They, they are too much for me. And so then in Numbers 11, then God takes a portion of the spirit that is on Moses and he then uh, puts that, that spirit on 70 other elders who then are able to prophesy. And the idea is that now there are people who are able to share the load uh, with Moses and so in this way, then you could say uh, that Moses is the source of prophecy in Israel in, in the sense that the spirit of prophecy was taken from Moses and then it's put on these other men. It didn't come directly to them, but God took it from Moses and then gave it to these men. So there's this, there's this connection in terms of the way God did it, such that Moses becomes the source of it for others. And in this way, Moses points to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, except that Christ is not giving the Spirit on merely 70 men in one time because Jesus can't take the weight of the whole thing like Moses could. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is pouring out the Spirit on a multitude of men throughout every age to, to preach the Word of God. 
He is continually doing this in order to reveal to us the will of God for our salvation. He, he does far more. He is the one, as it says in John chapter 3, who receives the Spirit without measure and then is then the one who is the one who is anointed with the Spirit to pour out the Spirit without measure on the entire world so that, uh, so that there could always be the preaching of the Word of God. That is the fulfillment of Christ's prophetic ministry. We see this uh, really taught explicitly in, he in Ephesians chapter 4, the same thing where, we, where the Apostle Paul speaks of Christ the one is, as the one who ascends on high. He is the one who also descended into the lower parts of the earth. And now he ascends to the right hand of God and there he receives gifts for men. The idea is that he receives the Spirit for, uh, for men. And then he pours out the gifts of the Spirit. And then it says that he appoints some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and others, pastors and teachers. And the point is that it is the giving of the Spirit that's connected to the, to the empowerment to proclaim the Word of God. What do apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers all have in common? The answer is all of them proclaim the Word of God. All of them proclaim the Word of God. And all of them are empowered to do so only through the Lord Jesus Christ, who enables the preaching of the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And this, brothers and sisters, is the way in which Christ fulfills the office of prophet even today. When you look around and you see the missionary activity of the church, when you see the proclamation of the Word of God to the ends of the earth, when you see the preaching of, of, of the Word of God every Lord's Day to the people of God, there you see Christ working as a prophet, the one who always lives to reveal the Word of God to us, the will of God for our salvation. Now, this is the way that Christ is a prophet as our resurrected Lord. But it does not even stop there because there is another element to the way in which Christ reveals God to us by his spirit. And this is the thing that puts Christ far, far above all the other prophets that have ever come before him. And in many ways, we've already seen that in, he's already far above all the other prophets from, from what I've already said. But there is this great difference that all of the prophets who came before the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they could not guarantee that the words that they were speaking would be received well. They, they could not have any influence over the heart. There was a sense in which they could reveal the word of God to another, but they could not reveal it in such a way that it was actually seen with a heart of faith. But Christ is the great prophet who not only enables the word of God to be preached by the power of the spirit, but he, as our great prophet, guarantees He's the one who's able to guarantee by the giving of the Spirit the reception of the Word of God as well. He, he is the one who, is, who reveals sovereignly the will of God for our salvation. He does not just make it known in an outward manner, but he actually impresses it upon our hearts. And he does that also by the Spirit. If it is the work of the prophet to reveal God, to reveal God, then we could say there, 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 there are two ways we could think about that. Either he is merely speaking outwardly or he's also, or he could also be revealing to the very heart of man who God is. And Christ is the one who's able to do both and the only one who's able to do the latter. And so we, we looked this morning at, uh, very briefly at Matthew chapter 11, where we see this exact thing is, is being spoken of. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and 
whomever the Son chooses to reveal the Father to. The idea being that the Son is able sovereignly to reveal the Father to the heart of any man. And whoever he chooses to do that for will know the Father. He will have the Father revealed to him sovereignly. And this is the thing that makes Christ far different from all other prophets who came before him. Isaiah is told, you are to go to this people, you're going to speak the, my, my word to them. And then he's told, none of them are going to hear you. Part of what your message is, is you are to make the heart of this people dull, so that seeing they will not see. That's what Isaiah was told. Jeremiah is told the same thing. You are to preach this to, to the people, and you are preaching it in order that they might be destroyed in some sense, because they're not going to listen to you. So that the prophets are told ahead of time, you can reveal it to them, but you only have the power to do it outwardly. But all throughout the Old Testament, we have as well, even in the prophets themselves, that there would come a time when God would sovereignly put the fear of himself into the hearts of his people, that there would be a deeper and more effectual revelation of himself. And the prophets were speaking about that as a future time because they couldn't do it themselves. But who is the one that can do it? It's the prophet. It's the prophet who is the one who does not just come with the word, but who comes by word and spirit, who is able to remove the heart of stone and to grant the heart of flesh. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is able to do. And this is the reason why we see all throughout the book of Acts, we see this very thing being spoken of. Acts chapter 13, verse 48, after the apostle Paul has preached, he's then been opposed by some of the Jews. Then we are told in verse 48 of, of Acts chapter 13, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Uh, Christ got those who were his. He got all of them that were his because he was able sovereignly to reveal the, spirit, uh, uh, the Father to them uh, by the Spirit. And all of this is the way in which Christ fulfills the, the, the prophetic office today as the resurrected prophet. And this is the reason why we can say for sure, 100%, the prophecy of Isaiah and, others, and even other prophets in the Old Testament, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord even as the waters cover the sea, must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled. How do we know? How do we know that it must be fulfilled? Because Christ is our prophet and he reveals the Father sovereignly to whomever he's chosen and he will do it until all the elect are brought in. And so as sure as the Father has told us that there is an elect from every nation, tribe, and tongue and it's an innumerable host more than the stars uh, in the heavens, it can't be counted. So too we know Christ as the prophet will see that it happens. He will see that the Father is revealed to all. Now, brothers and sisters, if this is the case, one of the things it means is that you, you ought not to lose heart. You ought not to lose heart. The grave could not hold this great prophet. And because he is raised from the dead, he will draw all men to himself. He is the one who's been raised from the dead. Therefore, he's received the spirit. If he is the one who's received the spirit, even now, he lives to reveal God to all the elect, and he will surely do it. Now, brothers and sisters, as we think about where we are in this country, it could be in the providence of God that he has many difficult things in front of us uh, for our good, and it could very well be that things get worse before it get, they get better. But brothers and sisters, get better they will. Get better they certainly will. It, it will never be the case that darkness will envelop the world again. It cannot be because the Lord Jesus Christ lives as 
the prophet. He lives as the great prophet. The, the, the weapons of the enemy, of Satan himself, they depend upon the ignorance of God. They, they depend upon uh, lies being told and they depend upon darkness to enshroud the mind. But Christ is the one who sovereignly shines the light into the darkness. He is the one who sovereignly changes the mind. He is a sovereign, the one who sovereignly renews the will. He is the one who sovereignly enlightens the mind in the knowledge of Christ. If he is the one who sovereignly does this, then brothers and sisters, it may be difficult, but we know, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ will do the work. We know that he will do the work. And therefore, as we think about what is needed in the world today, we can say what is needed is for Christ to, to continue to do the work of a prophet. This is our hope. This is our hope. Without Christ being the prophet that he is, the world is enshrouded in darkness. We often think of the necessity of the atonement, the necessity of the defeat of Satan and all these things with regard to the priesthood and, uh, and the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but think about it. Without the prophetic ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we could not be saved. We would not know who God is. But because Christ is risen from the dead and is the one who has received the Spirit, we know all the elect will in fact know him. Every single one of them will. And therefore, brothers and sisters, do not lose heart, but rather, this is the reason why we ought to pray. Pray zealously, pray earnestly for the Lord Jesus Christ to pour out the Spirit. For the moment the Spirit is poured out, the moment the Spirit is poured out, then everything will be turned around because the Spirit works sovereignly. Let it, let it, let it not be said of us that we understood that doctrine and then did not plead with God to do it. It doesn't matter what else happens. If God pours out the Spirit, if God pours out the Spirit, if Christ does the work as prophet to reveal sovereignly the Father by his word and spirit, all things will be turned around. The kingdom of God will be advanced. May it be that we would give him no rest night and day, but call upon him to pour out the Spirit that we might see uh, the, the kingdom of God advance. And may it be that it would be a comfort to your souls as you think about the situation in our country to know that God has said that his word will never return void, but it will always accomplish the purpose for which it is given. And Christ has seen as our prophet, it, Christ will always see that that happens. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the hope that is ours. Lord, what, what a wonderful thing to consider. All of our sins are atoned for by our great priest. All of our enemies are defeated, even death itself, by our great king. And even all of the elect, all of them, will come to know you. And even in our very hearts, we can see that the darkness is driven away by our great prophet, that we might know you. That we, we think about the way in which we were in darkness and ignorance. And who was it that fixed us? Who, fi who fixed that problem in us? If not your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who poured out the Spirit into our hearts. How we thank you, how we praise you. For we can see, we can see that without uh, even, even a single part of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we could not be saved. How thankful we are that we have all of it. That he has come to be our prophet, priest, and king. That we might be saved from our sins. Lord, how we do plead with you, how we do plead with you to pour out your spirit, that you would show yourself to be the mighty prophet who is able sovereignly to uh, defeat all the lies of the devil, that the darkness might be pushed back by the light. 
Lord, grant sight, even as you granted sight to many during your earthly ministry. O oh, oh Christ, how we do pray that you would grant spiritual sight to many uh, by your Spirit. Do it through the preaching of your word as you have so ordained. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing. We believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72. We cannot fit any more seats, and if we were to fill every single one, every Lord's Day we would have no more than 72. The plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches. One of the things that we want to, to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, this is a very dark place. Uh, there is a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place, uh, through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to, to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name. Thank you.